And welcome to episode 87 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. A wild weekend of wild card games in the NFL. The Cowboys have a new head coach in Mike McCarthy. Two is going pro. All that much more here on episode 87 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts these days. And then head to YouTube, give me all your takes right down below in the comments section. Got a couple comments about Andre Drummond and everyone saying right here, Chrissy, Andre Drummond and Ennis Kanter duo could contend with bigs in the East or West come playoff time. But if that doesn't happen, Boston should look at Washington's Thomas Bryant for a trade to acquire a competent big that won't break the bank or break up their core. If he wants to win Boston, if he only wants to get paid, Atlanta. So head over to YouTube and give me all your takes right down below in the comment section. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys, so let's get right into it. It's showtime! Are you ready? Let's get it on. And we've got some breaking news here on the Get More Sports Podcast. Mike McCarthy will be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. It took nine years to fire their head coach, Jason Garrett, and it took about nine hours to hire their new head coach in Mike McCarthy. Jay Glazer tweets, scoopage alert, the Dallas Cowboys have agreed to terms with Mike McCarthy to be their new head coach. Announcement and press conference expected later this week. Tom Pelissaro tweets, Mike McCarthy tells me he just signed with the Cowboys. Done deal. He's their new head coach. Ian Rappaport tweets, as official as it gets, the Cowboys have their coach. And Ian Rappaport also tweets, two notes on the new Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy. One, he signed a five-year deal with Dallas, sources said. And two, McCarthy likes O.C. Kellen Moore, I'm told. Nothing more firm than that, but it does seem like McCarthy is more than open to keeping him. So, Mike McCarthy, he's headed to Dallas. I'm going to give you the pros and cons of Mike McCarthy for the Dallas Cowboys. But first, let's hear from Jay Glazer on how it all went down. Yeah, they wanted NFL head coaching experience. And I know a lot of people out there, they thought they'd go after like a, a Lincoln Riley. And that wasn't the case. They didn't want somebody with college experience. They wanted somebody who was an NFL head coach. And at first they wanted defense. But they more they did research on Mike McCarthy, uh, the more they really started to fall in love with the grunt that is Mike McCarthy. He is a football guy. Um, and when they w- met with him and interviewed him, and then they looked at it and said, there's such a difference between him and Jason Garrett. Uh, Jason Garrett, obviously Princeton kind of guy. And Mike McCarthy is just a Pittsburgh guy, worked in the toll booth. He's a grunt. And, you know, his the way he went in there and explained how he would run their offense, run their team, and the team needs a lot of discipline also. Uh, they just fell in love with him throughout the night. And, again, I reported yesterday on our Fox NFL Sunday playoff show that he was still in Dallas. The interview was only supposed to last the first day, but it went so well, they ended up keeping him overnight. So first thought here is, one, Mike McCarthy was going to get one of these big jobs, whether it be the New York Giants or the Cleveland Browns. The New York Giants, they had already requested a second interview with Mike McCarthy, so the Cowboys, they had to act fast if they wanted to get their guy And you know they were going to bring Mike McCarthy home when Jerry Jones let Mike McCarthy stay at his home. According to Adam Schefter, new Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy stayed over at Jerry Jones' house on Saturday night per source. 
Once you stay at Jerry's house, he doesn't lose his guy, said Source. So, I've heard it all at this point. Hey, why stay at a nice five-star hotel when you can stay at my mansion? Hey, you need a toothbrush, need a blanket. Hey, you can stay at my house, and we'll talk about being the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Here's a live look at Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones at their sleepover. Yes, we did. It looks amazing. Look at that. That looks like what you would buy from a store. Should have been look at all this floor space. So much aerobics in here. So many activities. Do step class. It's making my head spin how many activities we can do. Play army man. Yeah. This is how we do it. Da, 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 da. Hey, I never asked you. Yeah. Do you like guacamole? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Now, but let's start with the pros for Mike McCarthy. Pro, a 125-77-2 and record, a 618 winning percentage in the regular season, and he led the Packers to the playoffs in nine of his 13 seasons as head coach, winning at least one playoff game in six of those nine seasons. So, just for comparison's sake, the Cowboys have made the playoffs three times in the last decade, winning just two playoff games in the process. So Mike McCarthy's going to come in there. He has a Super Bowl to his name. He can look that locker room in the eye and say, hey, I've been to the mountaintop. I know what it takes to win a Super Bowl. And for my first con, Mike McCarthy in 13 years as Packers head coach, not once were they top 10 in rush attempts. Not once were the Packers top 10 in rush attempts under Mike McCarthy, and he's really known as a pass-first guy, not known for designing creative run plays, and just look at the success that Aaron Jones has had since his departure. He's become a top-five running back after Mike McCarthy left, and this Dallas team, they really should be carried by their running game. You got guys like Ezekiel Elliott, the highest-paid running back in the game, Collins, Martin, Frederick Williams, Smith, that massive offensive line should be the focal point of this Cowboys offense. So we're going to see, can he adjust? He says he's going to be more analytics oriented than he was in Green Bay. But the question is, can a Tiger change his stripes this late in his career? That remains to be seen. And my next pro for Mike McCarthy is that he's a reputable developer of quarterbacks. Just look at his track record. Guys like Joe Montana, Rich Gannon, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. He has a long and rich history of taking quarterbacks to the next level, and Aaron Rodgers credits him with a lot of his success. Now, look, the player has to have the talent. I've called Aaron Rodgers the right arm of God, but, hey, Mike McCarthy helped cultivate that talent, and Aaron Rodgers describes it as breaking down that thing to a science, and it really gives you a good feel for what you need to work on. So he says that Mike McCarthy knows how to break down your game down to a science, and I think if you look at Dak Prescott, yes, he's capable of making some elite throws, but there are times when his mechanics fall off, when his mechanics slip a little, and I think Mike McCarthy can take him to the next level. And for my next con, it's that his offenses in Green Bay, towards the end, they started to get stale. They started to devolve. They were not creative. They were unimaginative. And I just want to see him bring that back. You had that all that pre-snap motion, the multiple personnel groups. You want to see him bring that back in Green Bay. I'm concerned that at this point, will he change his game up enough to adapt to the modern offenses? So to me, that'd be a concern. 
And for my next pro is that this is not the splashy hire, that this is not the Urban Meyer type hire. And to me, that's a pro because it shows that Jerry Jones, he's doing the sensible thing. He went with the safe, the solid, the stable hire rather than the splashy hire that makes all the headlines. Because look, if he wanted to, he could offer this job to Urban Meyer and people would be buzzing. It would be an explosive hire. But Mike McCarthy, this is the guy that has a Super Bowl. This is a guy that has what it takes to optimize Dak Prescott's skill set. I do have my concerns with how he's going to utilize the run game and whether or not that Dallas media can wear on him. Because, look, hey, Mike McCarthy can get icy with the media. But, hey, Mike McCarthy, he's got that toughness. I like this hire for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm giving it a solid B. I'm giving it a solid B. He has to show me that he can use analytics, that he can use the run game. And to me, for him to be a success in year one, they have to win at least one playoff game. One playoff game for the Dallas Cowboys. That's what it will take to make him a success. Anything else, then you're going to say, hey, maybe they didn't make the right hire. And more breaking news here on the Get More Sports Podcast. Tua Tagovailoa will be foregoing his senior season at Alabama. He'll be entering the 2020 NFL Draft. Now, there was some talk that he might return for his senior season at Alabama after he suffered that hip injury on November 16th against Mississippi State. And if you remember, he was on the field writhing in pain against Mississippi State. That was a serious injury. He dislocated his hip. He suffered a posterior wall fracture. And you had people comparing that injury to Bo Jackson. People saying, is this a career-ending injury? It doesn't look like it's going to be career-ending. Hopefully, he makes a full recovery. But even with the injury concerns, teams are still interested in drafting Tua Tagovailoa. Mel Kuyper has him going number five to the Dolphins. If the Dolphins don't pick him up, he's got him going number six to the Chargers. So he's not falling outside of the top ten. And this is a guy who was phenomenal at Alabama. His total QBR of 93.4 at Bama is the best in the history of the metric since it was invented in 2004. Tua set school records for pass touchdowns with 87 and 300-yard games with 10. So this guy, he's accurate, he's efficient, he's a great leader, his teammates love him, but I'm just glad that he made the right decision for Tua Tagovailoa. Look, it'd be enticing to come back and compete for a national championship, but he's already won a national championship. Only thing that he could do would be to maybe win a Heisman Trophy. But, hey, you're a top 10 pick. You got to go get that bag. Miami would be a nice destination for him, especially considering they're young. Won't be a lot of pressure to win early. I like what I saw out of Flores. Look, 52% of that Dolphins roster this year was undrafted players. They have a lot of money to spend on free agents. They had the hashtag tank for Tua early on, and it looks like they're going to get their guy. Well, here's Tua announcing his decision this morning in Alabama. I've had the advice and counsel of my parents, my family, and coaches in going through a, a thorough analysis of the, uh, of the alternatives. And without further ado, uh, with lots of prayers, thoughts, um, and guidance, I have decided that I will be declaring and entering the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, my three years at the University of Alabama have been the epitome of a roller coaster. I've had a fair share of ups um, of many ups and a handful of downs, and I couldn't be happier to know that with all the success and failures I've had here at the university, 
Um, it has prepared me for life in general. Now, one of my first takeaways is that to attack of Iloa, he seems like one of the nicest kids ever. He says the right things. He does the right things. All of his coaches love him. His teammates love him. I mean, this guy thanked everyone. God, family, friends, coaches. I was waiting to hear my name in there at some point. He even thanked some guy for helping him build his brand. I'd like to uh, thank Josh Maxson and his crew for helping me build my brand here. And to all those behind the scenes that don't get enough credit, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that college athletes shouldn't get paid, they have brands now. Is that a thing? The biggest takeaway, really, was him answering the questions about his hip and the timetable for his return. I don't think any of the doctors can tell, you know, the foreseeable future. None of the guys rehabbing me can tell that. Um, you know, from what they've seen, you know, in, in New York, you know, everything looks good but you can't really tell until the three-month mark or the four-month mark, you know? So that's that's the gauge on it. Now the question is, if you're the Miami Dolphins, do you draft Tua with the number five pick? In my opinion, it'd be a tough call. I would think about it long and hard, but ultimately I would pass on Tua at number five. Yes, the arm talent is there. Yes, I could see him being an elite quarterback one day, but those injuries are so serious. A hip injury, his ankle injuries. He's had an injury history at Alabama. He's six foot one, 218 pounds. He's not the biggest guy, and the defenders are only going to get bigger and more ferocious at the next level. So I'd be weary of taking him at number five, despite the potential. Now, the other way to look at it is you're getting the potential number one pick, but he's damaged goods. Is he damaged goods? Now, that's a question for the Dolphins to have. And if I'm Tua, hey, Miami has had 20 quarterbacks since Dan Marino retired. Miami hasn't just been the place where your grandparents go to die. It's been the place where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> so if I'm Tua, I would not want to play for the Miami Dolphins. Look what they did with Josh Rosen at number six. Look at number six for the L.A. Chargers. I think that makes more sense. Phillip Rivers, maybe he plays one year. Maybe they bring in Tom Brady and he learns under him for one year. I like that at number six because if you're the Chargers, you need that star. You need that star power that Tua could bring, but not next year. You need to be patient with him. And look, no one's talking about the Chargers. The Chargers, they have time and patience on their side. It's closer to Hawaii where he's from. But when I think of Tua, I'm going to always think about him coming in in the national championship game as a freshman and winning against Georgia. That, to me, is his legacy at Georgia. And I present to you guys the number one play of Tua Tagovailoa's career. You know what I'm talking about. National championship game. Bama's down 26-23 in double overtime. They're facing a second and 26. Tua's here. There's nothing I fear. Get outside of the pocket and play on second and ten. That's his youth right there. Think about Lola trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. After that game, I was saying they need to change the name of Tuscaloosa to Tuascaloosa because that was stuff that legends are made of, and I'm going to remember him from that play. I hope he has a great NFL career. I just wouldn't take him at number five.
Now, I don't know what your favorite season is. Is it fall? Is it winter? Is it spring? Is it summer? My favorite season is trade season, and we're now one month away from the NBA's trade deadline on February 6th, and there's a new rumor today that the Lakers have made Kyle Kuzma available in trade talks. Mark Stein of the New York Times, he's reporting that the Sacramento Kings have interest in trading for Kyle Kuzma. Now, the Kings would likely need to include pending free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich as part of a deal for Kuzma, but Luke Walton, he's very high on Kuzma, who he coached for two seasons with the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Lakers, apparently they're still high on Kuzma, but by all accounts, his fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis has been widely questioned by unnamed sources surrounding the team. So are the Lakers really considering moving Kyle Kuzma? Here's Brian Windhorst on a potential Kuzma trade. When you talk to the Lakers, according to some teams that I've talked to, Kyle Kuzma is available. Doesn't mean that they are saying, will you take Kyle Kuzma off our hands? But if you want Kyle Kuzma, he is available right now. The challenge is he makes $2 million. So under the NBA trade rules, remember, if you're the Lakers, you're going to trade Kyle Kuzma, you're going to want a player that is as good or better yeah. to come back. Or in some situations, maybe multiple players. Right. But you can't do that with a $2 million player. Right. So it makes it very difficult to find a trade. Secondly, the, the real piece that they would have to, to sort of add to it would be Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's mm -hmm. the guy who makes the most money of a guy they could trade. But Caldwell-Pope has a no-trade clause because mm -hmm. of the nature of his contract. And this summer, not a lot of teams have money. It's not a time that people were going to be... The reason he's got no trade clause is he would give up his bird rights in the trade. These are not the days to give up your bird rights, no. ladies and gentlemen, and everybody knows this. And then maybe they could pad the trade out with, like, DeMarcus Cousins. But even in that case, DeMarcus Cousins may not play again this year. So it, it's very difficult for the Lakers to construct a trade. And so if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, if you can flip Kyle Kuzma for Bogdan Bogdanovich, you do that deal yesterday, but it's not going to be a one-for-one. One, one, the salaries don't match up. Kyle Kuzma, he makes just over $2 million a year, but also Sam Amick is saying, hey, they need more if they want to try to get a Bogdanovich deal. He tweeted out today, Reese Steinlein's intel about possible Kuzma for Bogdanovich swap. I'm told Kings are unlikely to be interested straight up. They value his versatility, are comfortable with his restricted free agency, and are 0-6 without him. So 0-6 without him on the year. He's an impact player for them. On the year, he's averaging 14.5 points per game, three boards, 3.6 assists, shooting 42.6% from the field, but his value comes from beyond the arc. He's shooting 38.3% from three this year compared to Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma's averaging 11.8 points per game, three and a half rebounds, less than an assist per game, 42% from the field, and 34.6% from now, another thing to consider is, yes, the Lakers and Kings, they've engaged in trade talks in the past, but nothing ever materialized. The Kings and Lakers have never completed a trade, so if they do, this will be the first of its kind. And I think if you're the Lakers, if you can get something for Kyle Kuzma, an upgrade, a more of a veteran presence, this team is in win-this-year mode, win-now mode. Now, there's no question that Bogdanovich is a better player than Kyle Kuzma, but maybe Bogdanovich has made it clear that he has no intention of re-signing in Sacramento. If that's the case, they've got to get something for him. Why not take a chance on Kyle Kuzma? Look, Kyle Kuzma is a streaky shooter. Kyle Kuzma, not much of a defender, gets happy feet on defense, doesn't have a lot of moves in his arsenal, but what he's good at is being a streaky player. He's a player that can put up a lot of points, get you 20, 25 points, catch fire from 
from deep, and I like him on the Sacramento Kings. Hey, if you're Kyle Kuzma, look what happened to Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram, he's having a career year, averaging over 25 a game. Last three games for Lonzo Ball, averaging more than 20 points a game. It looks like he's turned the corner. Hey, you go outside the, all the pressure, playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, a change of scenery, going to a young team like the Sacramento Kings, playing for a coach that you played for. I can see why Sacramento might be enamored with Kyle Kuzma. Look, he's a marketable player. He has a shoe deal. He's got the real slim shady look going on right now. Got 15 points off the bench in 20 minutes. And another thing, I don't think that there's anything that's involving the Los Angeles Lakers that LeBron James is not involved with. I think LeBron James is somehow involved with these Kyle Kuzma trade leagues because, hey, you remember what happened after the Christmas Day game? Kawhi Leonard's trainer, also Kyle Kuzma's trainer, had some choice words to say about LeBron James on his Instagram. And to me, that's a little bit of a factor. I don't think it's everything. I think it more has to do with the fact that Kyle Kuzma has never played in the playoffs. He's never participated in the playoffs, and you rarely see guys in their first year in the playoffs come in and hit the ground running. They'd be wise to bring in someone, get what they can for him. They have to win a championship this year. LeBron James is 35 years old. They need to get a championship this year, and if they can trade Kuzma and upgrade their roster, then you do it. But before we wrap, I want to hit you with the Get More Sports Fact of the Day. The Saints are now the first team in NFL history to have six straight playoff eliminations by one score and the second team since the Packers from 2013 to 2015 to be eliminated in three straight postseasons on the final play of the game. The Saints got robbed on that P.I. That should have been an offensive P.I. on Rudolph. But that's going to do it for episode 87 of the Get More Sports Podcast. See you guys Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day, and I'm out.